it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much for listening all week long. As we close out the week, we have just an electric show full of breaking news and keeping you up to date. And I'm privileged that you have chosen us to listen to. Shannon Bream is going to be here at some point. We're also going to have Sandra Smith. But this hour, Carly Shimkus. Her first, I think her sec- first appearance is coming back. Uh, she claims to have had a baby. Uh, she was off for three months. I need to see the paperwork and the kid. Okay, wait, I saw the kid. I believe her. And Admiral James Stravitis, the 16th Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, is going to be on in a matter of moments. So before we talk about the president's, uh, the former president's indictment, investigation into the current president, and everything else going on in and around this country, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The attack began last week, and this is going to be, it's going to take weeks, not days. It's unfolding slowly. None of that surprises us. Ukrainians don't talk much about this, so they're going to keep this pretty close to their chest. Let the counteroffensive begin. Ukraine launches their multi-front fight to get back their country. 17% is now occupied by the Russians. Uh, It was not an easy start. It's going to be a bloody, brutal battle. But I have full confidence in the Ukrainians. Do you? Number two. Where's the money? I'm joking. Mr. President, can I try to to bunch of malarkey? Yeah, great question, Joe. Explosive and damning. Uh, That's what Republicans are saying, uh, who were given access to the documents, which reportedly show Joe and Hunter Biden getting about $5 million each from this gas company. Number one. But it's called election interference. They're trying to destroy your reputation so they can win an election. So I just want to tell you, I'm an innocent man. I did nothing wrong. Indictment number two for Trump. Uh, one uh, one is uh, more serious than the first one. It's all polarizing. It is explosive. The former president and current Republican frontrunner will be arraigned Tuesday in Miami. We're going to look at the charges and Trump's plan to defend uh, defend himself in court and to win a campaign. But with me right now is Admiral James Jarvidis. Uh, let's talk about a different type of explosion, explosive behavior, and that's what's going on in the Ukraine. Admiral, welcome back. Nice segue, Brian. I think the most important explosion at the start of the counteroffensive was the Russians blowing up a, a huge dam, which has created flood-like conditions in the south and southeast, exactly where the Ukrainians are trying to launch this counteroffensive. So uh, this almost certainly was Russian sabotage, Brian. And bad news is it's going to have humanitarian consequence. It's going to float landmines to very unpredictable places. It'll probably slow down the Ukrainians a bit, to General Jack Keane's point, we're looking at weeks, not days, as this counteroffensive unfolds. Yeah, I mean, it's speculated. They also destroyed some of their positions, like you said, some of their minefields. Yeah. So that's why it's not abundantly clear who did it. But it's clearly not in the Ukrainians' interest to blow up their own dam. Exactly. I think you always look at the idea of who benefits when something bad happens to try and establish motive. Um, I would guess this is going to 
turn out to be something the Russians have done. And let's face it, it's part of their ongoing pattern of attacking civilian infrastructure. They've blown up electric grids. They've gone after the water system. It would be entirely unremarkable to me that they would choose to blow up a dam, even accepting some damage, your point, to to their own positions. Um, What they are trying to do is terrorize the Ukrainians. Uh, Not going to work. The Ukrainians are locked in. They're going to make this offensive work. It'll take a bit of time to really get traction. But I look for pretty good results for the Ukrainians this summer. Yeah, the Ukrainians are are looking to break through it out of Zaporizhia, but evidently it's been pretty hard. Uh, The Russians had plenty of time to harden a lot of these positions. What's most worthy about what the Russians have done in the first week of the counteroffensive? Yeah, that's a very smart question. And and the most important thing they've done is over the last six months, when it became clear that their winter offensive was nothing but an enormous bust, they've gone back to almost World War One, hundred years ago type of tactics, building deep trenches, long enfilade fire zones, the ability to uh, put up barricades, chop down trees, anything they can do to slow what they know is coming at them. And here's a military fact, Brian. We always say, and you can ask Jack Keene this, uh, we always say that defense is to offense as three is to one, meaning that if you're the defender, you have a three to one advantage. And to overcome that, you need a lot of additional firepower. The Russians have taken great advantage of time to really dig in here. It'll be a hard fight, but I'll close with this. The uh, Ukrainian heavy armor that has been provided to them, and they've trained to it over the last couple of months, I think we'll be able ultimately to crack through those defensive positions the Russians have put in place. Just one thing, especially sinister and evil, evidently they've taken 46 kids, uh, uh, Ukrainian children. They want to stop Ukrainians from having a next generation the best they can. And they've just kidnapped children. And one of the orphanages, they took all the kids out and sent them deeper into Russia. I mean, think about that type of evil. Those are the people that aim for apartment buildings with civilians and try to bomb out infrastructure uh, because they can't win head-to-head against a seem-to-be-a-better-trained army. In terms of intelligence, we're helping. Here's what General Keene told me this morning, Cut 31. The attack began last week, and it's, this is going to be – it's going to take weeks, not days. It's unfolding slowly. None of that surprises us. The Ukrainians don't talk much about this as they did when they conducted their offensive in June – in the Hershon Oblast and also in Kharkiv in September. So they're going to keep this pretty close to their chest. They did. And they also he went on to also talk about the intelligence. Cut 34. The United States has been providing exquisite intelligence to the Ukrainians every single day of this war. We know where the Russians are. Obviously, we have satellite coverage. We do other flights, obviously not in Russia, but also to know where their Russian positions are in Ukraine. And we have other sources and methods to gather information. That's why the Ukrainians have been so successful at dealing with where's the Russian artillery, where are the Russians command and control bases, etc. They have pretty good intelligence on, on where the Russians are. So we are helping with satellite photos so we can help them pick their spots, the vulnerable spots, right? 
Indeed, we are, and it's not just satellites. We have signals intelligence, the ability to listen to cell phone broadcasts. The Russians have been incredibly undisciplined in what they talk about on cell phones, uh, who talks on them. This is why so many Russian generals suddenly go boom in the night, because they're talking on unsecure cell phones. We also have networks with our allies and partners and friends. We've got a lot of NATO intelligence that backs up what the United States provides. A lot of this comes through the headquarters I used to command, the Supreme Allied Commander's headquarters in Belgium. He's got forward intelligence positions. All of that comes together and gives the Ukrainians a real advantage on the battlefield they wouldn't otherwise enjoy. And final thought, Brian, um, you, you said it earlier, this is an evil enemy. And we have to stop Vladimir Putin. Uh, and in that sense, this is the best money we're ever going to spend. And no U.S. lives are being lost. It's the Ukrainians who are bleeding. This makes sense on a dollar-for-dollar basis to provide this aid. It'll crack the Russian war machine before this is all over. So the one thing that this administration does not do is communicate. I can't tell you how many people, because I firmly believe I see the big picture I humbly, not in your class, but I see the need for national, this is our national sure. security interest. I don't see this ever coming out of the administration. I, I saw in passing uh, the prime minister of the U.K. said more uh, positive things about the reason why we, we need to, uh, Ukraine needs to be successful in this conflict than we've heard over the last six months. The one thing we learned about Ukraine and Afghanistan, the American people constantly need to know what is happening. Yeah. You're not, I'm not talking about selling or marketing. I'm talking about informing. So when people say, why is it in our interest? Uh, why aren't we focusing more on China? They don't understand. It hasn't been explained effectively that a Russian win is a China win and a Russian loss is a China loss. And I'm not seeing that regularly. And, and I think we're just losing that. For example, the China Belt and Road Program is an extortion program. Sell these people, build something these countries can't afford, and when they can't make the payments, you take it from them. That was a casual mention yesterday by the president. Why is that not mentioned every time we hear about China? Uh, I completely agree. We have not done a good job, we, the United States of America, in communicating um, the threat from Russia, the increasing threat from China. We're not in a hot war situation over there yet. But certainly we see China going after our destroyers, after our aircraft. Um, we are not communicating that properly. And you're right to point out this is where the American people have lost faith in our combat operations in Afghanistan, in Iraq, and going all the way back to Vietnam, frankly. So we have work to do. I'll point your listeners to a very good piece of writing by a guy named Mark Season. He used to be a speechwriter for Don Rumsfeld when I was Rumsfeld's military uh, senior uh, advisor. And uh, Mark wrote a 10-point description of why this is, why Ukraine is in our national security interest. It's, it's, it's a superb summary of everything you and I have just talked about. But your point is valid. Why is that not coming out clearly, crisply, and constantly from the administration? Right. And the thing is, if you have a good argument, you want doubters. Because that gives you an opportunity to explain yourself, not you know, necessarily to have to be a speech. Sit down with people that don't understand and try to persuade them by using facts. And Mark Teeson, I think he wrote the MAGA argument 
for the Ukraine operation. He was on, I think, yesterday or the day before explaining that because now there's more and more Republicans who say, let's not be involved in foreign wars. And, and I think that's a lazy approach to this. 100 percent correct. And, you know, we don't have to imagine what it would be like if we just said, hey, we're not going to get involved. We're just going to come home. We're, let's not ever be involved in these, these terrible foreign wars. Um, we, we took that approach after World War I, brought all our troops home, stayed away from the world. And how did that work out? Well, you can drop a plumb line from that decision of isolationism to the Great Depression and ultimately the Second World War. It is far better to be forward mm-hmm conduct these operations, particularly like this one, where we are not losing U.S. lives, but we are providing a sensible amount of funding that is ultimately going to degrade one of our principal opponents in the world, and that's Vladimir Putin's Russia. What was it like working for uh, Donald Rumsfeld every day? (laughs) It was exhausting. Hardest boss ever, because he was 19, 20 hours a day. It was inspirational because I've never been around someone who cared more about the country than Don Rumsfeld. And ultimately, Brian, for me, it was very educational. I saw how he could work the interagency, how he understood the levers of government. He'd been the Secretary of Defense 20, 30 years previously. In fact, he commissioned me out of Annapolis as an ensign, and he pinned a fourth star on my shoulders uh, 30 years later. He had great longevity. So uh, entertaining, inspirational, educational, and pretty exhausting. You can ask Mark next time you're on with him. Did, uh, was he fair? Oh, totally. Yeah. He was a clear-eyed realist, absolutely fair. If you did not measure up, he told you. If you measured up and did well, he complimented you. He was extremely mm-hmm. fair. I enjoyed being around him. As hard as it was, it was a gold star education. Yep, that's why you'd be a perfect Secretary of Defense for the next administration. <laughs> I'm just building, I'm making sure everyone knows your resume. Admiral, thanks so much. <laughs> thanks, Brian. Talk All right. Bye bye. You got it. 1 866 408 7669. I'm going to come back and take your calls. You'll listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, I have not even discussed the two biggest cases. Uh, what we found out yesterday about President Biden blew me away about that 1023. Uh, what the accusation was from a whistleblower and what they witnessed and how he benefited. And his response, I think, is telling that I was swamped when it was announced by On Truth Social that the 45th president of the United States is going to be indicted on Tuesday. Wow. Don't move. Politics, current events and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. 
That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Well, what's different in this Trump case is the Trump case didn't have to happen because the Trump case could have been just like uh, Vice President Pence and President Biden. If the government, the National Archives, asks for their documents back because they are the people, that's the entity to have them, well, open up your home. Let people come in. Which they Let, both did. Which they did. They and so did. Their, reten- their retention of documents was purely negligent. On the other hand, Donald Trump not only didn't let them in, but he returned things piecemeal, and then he absolutely decided to obstruct Mm. the investigation according to the government's allegation. There's nothing that he, according to the allegation, there's nothing that Ricky Kleiman of CBS, the legal analyst, said that was, which he just said was that inaccurate. And just to the short course, is that the reason you broke 235 years of American history to indict a former president? Is that the reason? That's the reason why you interview the pool boy, you get one of his lawyers to flip, you make them flip in particular, that you have to raid his house for these documents? There's no allegation that he was about to send sensitive documentation to Saudi Arabia. There was no allegation that he was about to give state secrets over to any entity. He wanted to hold on to him because he's Donald Trump. He's different than everybody else. I'm not saying that I wouldn't have, and you probably would have, just turned over the documents. But if you are looking for intent and looking for somebody who's looking to steal things, you don't get interns in blue blazers at 2 in the afternoon with hand trucks full of boxes of paperwork in full view of the world press on January 20th to bring these papers and these boxes onto a helicopter as you go home and transition power. I could get the video now. You could call it up. Is that somebody looking to steal things? So I'll give you the timeline. On the 20th, Trump leaves the White House. 
On May 6th, the archive says, wait a second, we're missing some paperwork. And they request the records. Uh, In December, Trump says, you can come pick up these boxes. And he hands over 15 boxes. Uh, They thought it was 12. He said it ended up being 15. They look through the boxes and they see 100 classified documents. So they call back and say, what else do you have there? So he says, well, no, that's it. Uh, We don't have it. We have some other stuff. We'll go through it, but I'm going to keep it. So then the National Archives quickly goes to the Justice Department and calls the FBI, and they open up a criminal investigation into the president. Right there, this thing, the wheels have come off. Wait a second. You have other boxes. Let me go down there. I'm a librarian in Washington. That's what I am. By the way, they love Barack Obama. And then in, in April, they said, hey, uh, we looked through the documents. Uh, the FBI wants to come in there. And they come in there. They look around. And they said, as we examine whether to take them or not, would you put a lock on the door and keep it there? And they say, fine. Trump peeks his head in in May and says, guys, anything you need, let me know. You got it. On the 12th, the Department of Justice sends um, uh, sends, uh, sends a subpoena for everything that Trump has on the 12th of May. Next thing you know, they raid in August, and all hell has broken loose since. It's Would I have the documents? No. Does Donald Trump want to do anything uh, evil with it? No. Did you just make the smallest situation the biggest situation? Yes. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, hey, uh, guess who's here? Carly Shimkus. And evidently she forgot the rules of broadcasting. Wait to be introduced. <laughs> Talking right through the break, just on the bump in. Well, I was telling you that I'm now a golf person. Right. She's I a co-host of, I just got to give you a proper okay, introduction. Sorry. Co-host of Boxing Friends first. Uh, she, you see her all over the channel. And now she's back after a three-month hiatus to have yeah, a child. I did. I, it, was, it was four whole months. He's four, four months. He's four months old. How'd you get the extra month? Well, now you can take up to seven. Yeah, did you really? know that? It's not all fully paid. You could have had a, yeah. year, a year and a half off with two kids. They you a whole kids. lot of time. I, I, I wish they did it like that with twins, Brian. You know, that's a good... If you have twins, I think you should get double the time. Triplets, triple... Right. Could you imagine having triplets? Triplets, you might as well just defy Social Security. be out forever. If no anybody's had triplets out there, please call in and tell us how, right. how I mean, that experience just, was. Once you have one, they just keep coming. You're there for like, a, like an hour. <laughs> and just one kid and after what another. And what if there's four in there and you just don't know? Right. It's always a surprise. Yeah. Um, so how do we get off track like this? Uh, yeah. Sorry. So you're back. Mm-hmm. And guess what else? You missed an indictment. You miss one indictment, you're here for the second. I know. I don't like. I it's even though I knew it was coming. You know the, the Georgia thing is going to be an indictment too. When, when are they ever going to go? Yeah, I looked at it. I don't I, think so. It's supposed to happen in August, right? So you're going to have three, oh, three indictments. Yeah, and, and possibly four because Jack Smith is looking into the January sixth stuff as well. So he's he's tackling both of those. Right, things. and uh, basically. That when they flip a lawyer that work with you, now think about this. You have a lawyer, you tell them everything, her, everything, and 
you say to yourself, okay, well, how do I marshal a defense? Excuse me? It's Jack Smith. Uh, we need to see you. Because the lawyer has now become a witness against the client, which they say almost never happens. Mm-hmm. And why are you doing this? Yeah. You know, what is the end all? Are you trying to get John Gotti or are you trying to stop Donald Trump from beating Joe Biden? Yeah, it's uh, – that's the thing about this is that if you look at – if you really think about it, I mean we know for a fact that Joe Biden mishandled classified documents. So for his DOJ – to then indict President Trump for the same thing is is very stunning. And I think that the special counsel will probably say the same thing that Bill Barr has been saying, that it's not about the fact that he had these documents or even held on to them. It's the fact that he was very he was unwilling to give them back, which is the obstruction charge. So all of them back. Yeah. So we had Chris uh, Swecker on Fox and Friends first. And I asked him about that because I think that that could be a legitimate difference between these two cases when you talk about Biden and Trump. And he said, well, Trump's team as far as we know now, was still negotiating with the National Archives. So can you really call that obstruction unless they have solid evidence that he squirreled documents away and was uh, very unwilling or tried to hide uh, giving those documents back, then there's going to be a, a bit of a, a, a stumbling block when it comes to the obstruction charge. All right, so here Jim Trustee joins us this morning. He's the best guest and the best lawyer that Trump could have, the best communicator. I watched him spar with Chuck Todd for a half hour, and Chuck Todd couldn't land the glove because he didn't know the case as well, and Jim Trustee's not going to get intimidated. And actually, the first time I heard about him, Dana Perino said about five years ago, if you ever need a lawyer, Jim Trustee used to work at the White House, the greatest guy, he was so nice to me, he, always, he would always unwind every complicated legal situation that was coming down, especially with the whole the problem that Carl Rove had and Scooter Libby had, he would always be saying, no, this is how you do it, and really helped me a lot. And now you see how good he is. Here's Jim Trusty this morning uh, talking about how this whole thing came down. Cut 13. There's this thing called the Presidential Records Act. It is precisely dealing with presidents and former presidents and basically saying, and DOJ agreed with this years ago in a case involving Bill Clinton, that the former president gets to decide what he keeps. He should work really closely with archives. They can ask him nicely. If they get mad, they think he's holding on to too many things. They have a remedy called civil suits. There is no criminal penalty for violating the Presidential Records Act. It's a reflection of the fact that historically, before Nixon, they had completely unfettered rights to keep everything. Now we're saying at least please work with archives so we can see some of the stuff you created while you're in the White House. So that was the starting point. And that was him last night, I should say, with Laura Ingram. They joined us this morning. Mm-hmm. So the Presidential Records Act, they said, so he, he, they called up and they said, can we have their stuff back? It was May. Go, yeah, what do you need? He goes, oh, stuff. So they gave him 15. But they said, I have 12 boxes. Come get them. And they did. When they showed up, it was 15 boxes. And then when they said, we need, we, do you have any more? And he said, yeah, I'd like to hold on to them. He said, well, do me a favor. Lock them up. Put a lock on them. And then we're going to come back. And next thing you know, they want them to comply. They go, there's dis, there's uh there's a dissenting ideas about what took place after that. And the next thing you know, there's a raid in August. Yeah. And right there, when the archives calls the Justice Department and the Justice Department goes, what a great idea. Let's take all our assets and raid Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? So I'm not saying that Trump caused the problem, didn't cause the problem for himself. Yeah. And do you need to play the perfect game because everybody scrutinizes you? Yes, you absolutely do. Especially after January 6th. Yes. But having said that, 
It doesn't make what we're witnessing here right and the assets and the money that's now got to be spent on this for everybody. And I think you can always make uh, you can always just look at the flip side and what happened with Hillary Clinton as well and deleting all of those emails. And she never faced an indictment. And they said that that wasn't they weren't going to indict her essentially for the greater good of the country. And then uh, this is really similar in the fact that you're talking about classified information and having it on a private server could arguably be even worse uh, and an indictment comes down here. So it just ends up looking very political. And that is why this this indictment out of New York helped Trump on the campaign trail in, in his 2024 election bid. And this is going to bolster him as well. Mm, you even I, have you even have the candidates. Ron DeSantis posting a tweet saying, you know, they're slow walking this Hunter Biden thing. It's taken four and a half weeks. Look at yeah, Hillary yeah, Clinton, what yes. happened there. I'm sorry, four and a half years. What's going on there? This Hillary Clinton thing. And then in a matter of months, Trump gets an indictment. Right. It's just, you know, it, this is the thing that even if uh, the former president did do something wrong and didn't handle these documents well, other people have done the same thing and gotten treated differently. Yeah, it would be one of those things where, you know, it's a talking point. Why didn't Donald Trump just hand over those documents? Next thing you know, why is he going to go to jail for 100 yeah. years? And then you have Joe Biden with the documents next to the Corvette in a very unsecure location. And th- we just found out that there is that investigation is nowhere near completion. Right. I wonder why. Yeah, why, why not? Why, why is that? How long does it take to go through pages? Yeah. Is there anything else? And so it's like we're following up on things. No, is it classified or not? And this happened over the over the course of decades. So the other big story that was a huge story is uh, the FBI in their battle to not give this 1023 mm-hmm. form over to James Comer. Uh, finally gave in after they offered a, uh, a subpoena turned into. Uh, censure, and he was going to be put on contempt. Christopher was going to give him contempt. So they said, okay, the oversight committee can come, Republicans and Democrats, and check out this document. This guy who walked up, who's a paid informant for the FBI, who's made over $200,000 in FBI legitimate fees, has great credibility, had this form filled out and said, listen, I witnessed Joe Biden getting $5 million and also $5 million for Hunter when he was vice president. And what why we know about this is this guy was so frustrated that his 2023 form that he filled out in his story that he told and risked his career for, nothing was happening. Mm-hmm. They referred it over the, uh, the Delaware and nothing was happening. So let's see. A v, when he was VP, he allegedly was paid $5 million by an executive at Burisma, a, a gas company they listed as, but it's got to be Burisma. The FBI then generated that form. The form sits. The form dated June 30th, 2020, is the FBI's interview with the credible source. The confidential source detailed multiple meetings they had with this top Parisma executive that talked about this. And Carly, what is June 2020? Is the election yet? No. Mm -mm. Do you think that would have been useful or interesting for the (laughs) voter to know what the vice president was up to before he became president? Yeah, absolutely. And um, James Comer even says that these... Uh, this conversation started in 2017, even all the way back then, because there are notes within this document that even though it's dated June 2020, there are notes that uh, signal that conversations have been happening between this 
human source and the FBI dating three years prior. So they've been sitting on this information. And then you have Jamie Raskins, who uh, does the press conference a couple days ago. It really is unbelievable because he was in the same meeting as James Comer and their takeaways were completely different. And he said that Bill Barr closed the case. It's there's no longer an investigation. And then Bill Barr must have been just like astounded when he heard that on TV saying that's not what happened. So he was on uh, several shows, but with Martha uh, McCallum yesterday in particular and said that's not what happened at all. I referred this case to Delaware where the ongoing investigation into Hunter Biden was still taking place. This isn't case closed. But it is interesting to hear about uh, the allegation in this 1023 document, and it is that this human source was having a conversation with a Burisma executive, and he said, you know what, I'm going to give $5 million to Hunter, $5 million to Joe to get rid of the prosecutor that is investigating my company, the Burisma company, because I want to get into the oil industry in America, and it would be very hard to do that with this investigation hanging over our head. So that's the allegation. Wow, it's amazing. So Jamie Raskin says, I stand by my statements 100%. We were told by the FBI that they visited us on Monday uh, that the Department of Justice team of prosecutors and FBI agents under Scott Brady, the U.S. attorney, determined that there was no grounds to escalate their probe uh, from an initial assessment of the allegation surfaced by Rudy Giuliani. So when Bill Barr says, uh, he said... He said that Rudy Giuliani isn't even a part of this. Yeah, Bill Barr has again disputed reputed claims by the Oversight Committee. Raskin said uh, he's, uh, he's clo- it's never been closed down. So what he did is I think he probably got it out of his hair because he's going to look like he's going to bat for Trump if he's investigating Biden. So he kicks it over, Mm -hmm. and this is what happens. So just as that breaks, out comes this story. But I want everyone to hear Joe Biden when confronted by a New York Post reporter. Listen to this, Cut 24. Bribery allegation. Congresswoman Nancy May says there's damning evidence in that FBI file that you sold out the country. Do you have a response to congressional Republicans? Where's the money? I'm joking. Mr. President, Mr. President, it's a bunch of Yeah, wow. I know. It, that well, is I, not the response you give if you are not worried about something. Absolutely. And it's it's a very interesting response considering James Comer has been saying that the money – it. The money, according to him, has been – it's in all of these different bank accounts, and it's supposed it was made complicated for a reason because it would take decades to unwind. unwind. So if that's his first response – and again, this is just an allegation from – you know, human source that was talking to somebody else. So we don't know if this is true or not. But if your first response is where's the money and we know that there, part of the allegation is that it was in a bunch of different bank accounts, then – you could draw a conclusion That's a there. dare. That's a dare. Find it. Yeah. Go find the money. And forensic, account, for, forensic accounts live for this. So game on. If you and this hide- is only one bank, by the way. Can you imagine the other bank? Yeah. With, they were involved in 20 different banks. Can I ask a question? This could be really stupid to, to ask. It's a genuine question. If you, are, um, if, you're, if you are laundering money and you put it in all of these different bank accounts, then can you ever use that money? Or is it just sitting there? And- well, you have to find some creative way to get it. And one creative way, uh, not really that creative, is to have grandchildren. And give it and to those brothers, grandkids. You give it to those grandkids. And suddenly it looks like the grandkid bought you a or the, your son bought you a house. And I go back to that email with Hunter Biden talking to his daughter. I, will, I pay for everything in this family. I will never do 
to what? you what Pops does to me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Full circle. And it also is just if you think about all that we've been talking about and then President Biden's public persona and the um, the type of person that he wants to convey himself as, as blue collar Joe. And I'm just a ho-hum guy who supports the union worker. And, you know, I, I, I grew up in a, a middle class family and my dad had all these anecdotes. And then you think about, you know, possibly – Maybe, you know, laundering money and I, who knows, but it just seems very much different than the public persona. Yeah, uh, let's keep pursuing it. Let's get to the bottom of it. And please don't tell me that Joe Biden knew nothing about this. He is very tapped in. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Carly Shimkus is in studio. Don't move. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, my name's Pete Davidson. This message is for Daphna, um, the team. Uh, thank you so much for making comments publicly that I didn't adopt a dog. I just want to let you know I'm severely allergic to dogs, so I have to get a specific breed. I'm only not allergic to cavapoos and those type of dogs. And my mom's dog, who's two years old, died a week prior and we're all so sad so i had to get a specific dog so why don't you do your research before you create news stories for people because you're a boring tired you and suck my and this message so so that background was essentially what allison he called up because peter was giving him a problem yeah peter Took the picture of him uh, buying the dog, and they're like, adopt, don't shop, how dare you buy a dog. So this then, is SNL's Pete Davidson. Correct. Yes, yes SNL's Pete Davidson. So then he called up PETA, the woman who put out the story and who was quoted in it, and left that voicemail for her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you think it's true? I mean, what wouldn't be true about it? I mean, he can only be around a certain dog. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's probably allergic, maybe this one specific breed. No, but I mean, if you have an allergy, you do need a hypoallergenic dog. That is hilarious. Right. He said that he regrets, you know, all the cursing and being so aggressive during the voicemail. I think it's kind of funny, though. Well, how, how did it get leaked out? Not either he did it or they maybe did it, they right? Did it. Maybe uh, they did it, but I, th- I don't know. I think it's funny. Well, how I would un- never do how that. How unbelievable but. is it that he bought a barge, a ferry, <laughs> from the 1960s, he had retired, and he said he was really drunk and high, yeah. and he regrets it. He spent $265,000, him and Colin Jost. Uh-huh. He said, yeah, I, I should never have bought it. It's been a problem. So this boat is just, it has an owner, and it's just floating somewhere, and he hasn't done anything with it. But he wanted to buy it. It's actually a kind club. Of, like. Well, it's kind of sweet because they're both from Staten Island, so they, they would always take the ferry to go to school. And so I guess they were reminiscing when they were together, and then they were like, let's buy that ferry that we always used to take. And they were going to turn it into a bar, which if you look at it, it could be a- an incredible venue. But then I f- you find out that it's like there's roaches in it and just it's disgusting and dilapidated. <laughs> and then it's going to take a lot of money to fix, right? Yeah. And then, I don't know if you're going to get, uh, you know, your return on that investment. Right. But just admitting that you were drunk and high when you got it. Yeah. 
Uh, also, probably Colin Jost is probably not a great person to be a partners with. I don't right? Know. Uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows who the uh, person that led the charge on this one was? But he said that he regrets it because it's you know three hundred dollars, three hundred thousand dollars down the drain. So I wonder I, how rich you have to be for that not to be painful. That amount. Of money. Obviously, he does not because it sounded painful when he was talking about it. Um, do you are you on another show today? No, this is it, and then I'm going to go home and squeeze my baby. Right, and so you're going to raise them, raise your kid. I will. I will raise. You're going to be a hands-on. Oh no, I thought you were going to do that. Right, that's true. I should be responsible. Yeah. Uh, Are you going to be a hands-on parent? Of course. Imagine if I said no. No, I think I'll just let someone else. Because there's a story out there today Uh that helicopter parents are even following kids into their jobs. They follow it in. They make sure they get settled. I won't do this that. This whole new trend with this generation, uh-huh. you wouldn't be like that. No, I'm not going to do that. When they go to internships, you're going to go. A happy medium, yes. Right. Raise them right and then let them soar. Will you let them play a sport and if the coach benches I them, what do you do? they do. What if the coach doesn't like their I will like knock that coach out. That's the problem. We have to talk about violence. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. What a week we are having. Uh, we're from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, where the air is terrible. Uh, really, uh, no joke. The worst, at one point yesterday, they said we had the worst air in the world. And blame Canada, the whole Northeast seaboard. And if you're listening around the country or you listen to Florida, you're saying, who cares? I'm just telling you, once again, we're getting flashbacks. They're saying, don't go outdoors, wear a mask. I mean, it's nuts. But uh, again, you can't even blame us. Uh, Blame Canada. They have a bunch of fires. They don't have enough firemen. And they don't take care of their forests. And this was supposedly something that was telegraphed. Andy McCarthy at the bottom of the hour. So much going on. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The attack began last week, and this is going to be, it's going to take weeks, not days. It's unfolding slowly. None of that surprises us. Ukraines don't talk much about this. So they're going to keep this pretty close to their chest. Yep, I'll let the counteroffensive begins. Finally, Ukraine launches their multifaceted, multi-front fight to get their country back. 17% owned by the Russians. Let's knock them out. So far, it's been a bloody, brutal battle. Number two. Where's the money? I'm joking. Mr. President, it's a bunch of malarkey. It's unbelievable. That's President Biden. Great question, Joe. Explosive. Where is the money? And damning. That's what Republicans are saying, who were given access to see the documents which reportedly show that Joe and Hunter were getting $5 million each from a gas company. Ukrainian. Number one. But it's called election interference. They're trying to destroy a reputation so they can win an election. So I just want to tell you, I'm an innocent man. I did nothing wrong. It's a joke. Uh, That is President Trump on Truth Social. Indictment number two, just as expected. This one more serious, polarizing, and explosive. The former president and current Republican frontrunner will be arraigned on Tuesday. We will look look at the charges and Trump's plan on defense in court and offense on the campaign. Look, he's going to bring it up. It's going to help him short term. But long term, indictments don't help. You can't convince me it does. And what exactly are they saying? It looks like it's seven counts. They're going to talk about obstruction. They're going to talk about infringement. Uh, what else could they talk about? Taking classified documents, violation of the Espionage Act, 
the uh, conspiracy, illegal retention of classified diet, all this stuff, totally preventable. Do I think he should have taken the documents? No. Do I think that he was up to something no good? No, I don't. And I think what he's saying to himself, listen, these are mine. I'm president. I should be still be president. And I don't want to be pushed around by a bunch of librarians in the archives. So when that happens, he should have just given it all up. It would have been no problem. Instead, it ends up being a long out. Now an indictment on Miami. Now, what are, what are some things that could happen? He could actually go to court, go to trial next year and win. And then he'll just be on rocket fuel. But by that time, the campaign will be over. Or if he's guilty, he could just pardon himself. Does this court case f- keep going? You know, Jim Trusty was just telling us he's the lead attorney. This shouldn't even be in court. Here's Jonathan Turley on the announcement and the analysis of how this happened and what the president's up against. Cut six. This is one first that I hope most people regret, even if you feel that it's warranted. It's surprising because Merrick Garland had a decision to make here, uh, not just whether there was evidence to indict, but whether that served the interest of justice. So we have to see what's in this indictment. Yeah, well, let's see. We don't know. But I give Trump credit. When he heard the indictment was coming down, within an hour, he just hopped on True Social and made the announcement. Now they are flooding Miami courts with security because Florida is very Trump-friendly. Ask anybody. So do you think that when Trump gets out, it's going to be like New York, a quick walk? No. It's a longer walk, and it's a lot to secure. And I'm not saying anyone should go down there and wreak havoc by a long shot. But a lot of people are going to want to show the president's support and are upset this is even happening. Now, for people that think it's a good move that Trump's being indicted, there's a lot. Like on every channel, on every panel, on every station, not Fox. Here is what Ricky Kleiman said, a CBS legal analyst. Cut five. Well, what's different in this Trump case is the Trump case didn't have to happen because the Trump case could have been just like uh, Vice President Pence and President Biden. If the government, the National Archives, asks for their documents back because they are the people, that's the entity to have them, well, open up your home. Let people come in. Which they Let, both did. Which they did. They and so did. Their, reti- and their retention of documents was purely negligent. On the other hand, Donald Trump not only didn't let them in, but he returned things piecemeal, and then he absolutely decided to obstruct mm. the investigation according to the government's allegation. So that's what they're saying. When he handed over 12 viewers, he said, come over in February, uh, come get the boxes. He said, all right, I got 12. Okay. He said, no, if I found some more. There's 15. When they looked through the boxes, they found about 100 classified documents. And they said, look, can we, are you sure you have everything you need down there? You know, you have given up everything. So we'll come down and check. They come down, set up a meeting. Meanwhile, archives goes and, and narks on them. They go, call the FBI, call the DOJ. And instead of Merrick Garland saying, the last thing I need is to get involved with the FBI, who's already distrusted by the right wing of the country for a very good reason, after the whole mess with Russia, the last thing I need is to look political by going after the former president. But instead, he sicks the FBI. They do a huge raid, many against their will, and they do it anyway. They don't even form the local FBI branch there, and they go and come out with some documents. They throw them on the floor, take a picture to show that the president had documents he didn't, did, uh, he shouldn't have had. And now ever since then, they've been on the path towards a grand jury. The grand jury says, yeah, I'd indict him. Now, we don't know the details yet, but Bill Barr, the attorney general, He believes this is not a witch hunt. He believes this is legitimate. 
Cuddy. Based on the facts, as the facts come out, I think over time people will see that this is not a case of the Department of Justice, you know, conducting a witch hunt. In fact, they approached this very delicately and with deference to the president. And this would have gone nowhere had the president just returned the documents. But he jerked them around for a year and a half. And the question is, did he deceive them? And if there's evidence of that, uh, I think people will start to see that this says more about Trump than it does the Department of Justice. I just you're never going to convince me that this is worth it. And there's a reason why no other foreign president's been arrested like this, now indicted twice. Uh, now you're going to be fingerprinted. I'm sure there might even be a mugshot put out there. You tell me that that's good for the country? I'll never believe it. So Jim Trusty said this, uh, going against Bill Barr. He thinks Bill Barr is way off on this. He said this, cut 10. Well, we don't have the actual indictment yet. I suppose they'll give that to us at some point between now and Tuesday afternoon. Maybe they're too embarrassed to give it to us early. I don't know. But uh, it's a combination of theoretical charges. Again, we just have a summary. We don't have the indictment in front of us. But it looks like uh, the Espionage Act, which is kind of laughable on its face, um, several types of obstruction and conspiracy, and then false statement. So, trustee, I hope the hope should head up the legal team. What I did hear is that Trump's got so many different attorneys from different walks of life and just different expertise that they fight with each other or they don't communicate at all. And they said the whole thing with the New York office, the New York trial, the woman accusing him of rape but didn't remember the year. And then she came out and ended up winning $2 million. But they said, yeah, you didn't rape her. Well, was he even there? Did you even prove he was there? They said they had almost no meetings before that trial. Joe Tacopino went in there like a guy with a heavy New York accent that comes off uh, a little aggressive. I'm not pretty. I'm not sure that that's the best tactic to try to get sympathy from a jury from a, uh, while questioning a woman who said she was raped. Even if she totally made it up, you could easily look like a bully. And then finding out there was almost no preparation for any of that, or at least groupthink and styles and you debate strategies. Find that unbelievable. But what I also find noteworthy is that Chris Christie says I need to use the I need to see the charges. Uh, you have Ron DeSantis when it comes to Trump saying there's two uh, two different paths when it comes to justice. There's no equality in front of the law. Republicans have it worse. He says, I'm going to pardon, indicate he'll pardon Trump as soon as he gets in there, if in fact he wins. And then Tim Scott weighed in last night, cut 16. And what we've seen over the last several years is the weaponization of the Department of Justice against the former president. You don't have to be a Republican to see injustice and want to fix it. You don't have to be a Democrat to see injustice and want to fix it. You just have to be an American and stand up for the right thing. I don't care whether you're on my party or not in my party. I don't care whether you look like me or not. The one thing that makes America the city on the hill is confidence in our justice system. And today, what we see is a justice system where the scales are weighted. And that is a man that wants to be Trump for the nomination. And he's not the only person who said this should disqualify him as Asia Hutchinson. What it does in the short term, I think it definitely helps Trump. He's able to go out there and say, look, they're indicting me over documents. You got to be kidding. I gave him 15 boxes. You got to be can't be serious. But overall, going to court, being pulled off the being pulled off the trail, having those days when the prosecution gets to give their case, let alone a possible conviction. I don't think it helps him at all. And if you want to say we don't need the chaos as a country nominate me. This is example of the chaos. So you do have a storyline, but in the short term, even his opponents, Vivek says, I win. I exonerate the president. 
foreign president. We'll see about the current president. So I want you to get, get your – I know you have a lot to say. So before you start your weekend, one 408 And at the bottom of the hour, we talk to Andy McCarthy, and we get into the nuts and bolts of the case. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. There are two reports today suggesting that the Chinese have a new agreement um, with Cuba to set up a listening post in Cuba. Are those reports accurate? Uh, what is the extent? Is there a new listening post in Cuba uh, that affects the United States? Yeah, so so uh, I've seen that. That reporting, I can tell you based on the information that we have that that is not accurate, uh, that, that we are not aware of China and Cuba uh, developing any type of spy stations. Well, we'll see if that ends up panning out. But uh, evidently, the Wall Street Journal's got a great source that they paid Cuba a ton of money to set up a spy station right in their country. Why wouldn't they? They're in Venezuela. They're in Brazil. Why wouldn't they go to a poor country, give them money and then set up something that's going to compromise our security? Why wouldn't China do that? It's totally logical. And that's a big story this week. Look what they're doing. They stormed our base over in Alaska. They're going after our fighter jets, our destroyers, trying to head off and humiliate us. And we have not taken the bull by the horns. Rock, listen to WNIS in beautiful Virginia Beach. Hey, Rock. Hey, hey, Brian. Man, I'm, I'm listening to what you're talking about. I'm seeing this indictment. It's really funny it's happening right now in the when everyone's ramping up for an election. Man. Russiagate turned out to be a lie. Hunter Biden laptop turned out to be real. The P-tape was a lie. Uh, and it goes on and on. The Chinese spy balloon that they never saw. So when they say there's not a, a, a Chinese spy station in Cuba, I don't believe them. And at this point, they've been caught so many times not telling the truth. It's kind of hard for me to believe anything they say. And it's tough for me, man, because... Um, I've been involved with the government pretty much my entire adult life. And it's really, it's really upsetting that they don't, they can't tell you the truth on anything. I I know it's not everyone, right? but the ones that that pull the strings, the ones with the real power, it it seems like there really is a disparity before, before what they'll do for Biden. They didn't throw pictures on the ground and, and, and take pictures of it and then go run and leak it to the press. And my deal is, if that was real, and it had anything to it, and you were seriously trying to get them, the press is the le- the last people who should have seen it. You should have put it before a jury I know. in a real court of law, and the only people who could have saw that would have been the jury and the, the FBI agents who were And by the way, that's not the way they found them. They threw it on the floor and set it up like that. They made it seem at first that this is where Trump's office was, full of classified documents. No, they found the documents. They put them on the floor. They took a picture and said, see? No, the FBI is raiding his house. Didn't even tell the local bureau that they were there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon to get documents. There's no emergency. There's no allegation that they were about to sell them to Iran or Saudi Arabia for money. Meanwhile... Uh, thanks so much for the call. Meanwhile, uh, this is what, what uh, Trump posted, page one of Truth Social. He said the corrupt Biden administration has uh, informed my attorneys I've been indicted, seemingly over the boxes 
the box hoax, even though the Bidens have 850 boxes at the University of Delaware, additional boxes in Chinatown, with even more boxes at Pennsylvania and University of, and documents strewn all over the garage floor where he parks his Corvette, and which is secured by only a garage door that is paper thin and open much of the time. Very true. Linda, WDBO. Hey, Linda. It's about the uh, the documents. Is there any knowledge of what those documents are? Because hypothetically speaking, if they had something to do with the FBI collusion against Trump, I, I mean, if I were Trump, I'd probably try and keep a hold, uh, keep them in my possession for as long as possible, because that would be evidence, and who who knows what would happen to it when the FBI or or even the uh, archives get it back. Yeah, I hear you. The FBI, I think, has got some huge, uh, huge issues now with the American public. I, I just say the FBI, and I heard there was resentment and pushback when the DOJ says, yeah, go down to Mar-a-Lago and just grab the stuff. There was evidently pushback saying, really? You, you, after everything that just took place with Mueller, with McCabe, with Strzok, with Page, all these other, uh, all these other people, you actually want to put me back in the middle of this controversy and hurt the Bureau? Christopher Ray should have stood up. I know technically they work for the DOJ. But if you stand up and say, I'm not raiding, we're going to work out something where I'll go down. If it's real classified, you decide if they're going to pick charge, uh, press charges. Let's go to uh, Connie with on WDBO. Hey, hey Connie. Brian. Hi, Brian. I hear you say several times that people are getting tired of it. The country's getting tired, and we are. But I will tell you this. If we ever get another Republican president, it isn't going to end there. They're going to go after him just like they went after Trump and his family and friends and probably even his gardener. The only difference is that Donald Trump can take it, and he's taking it for us. And I think we need to stand behind him. Right. I think this has got to end. But the Democrats now, boy, they got a taste of what well, it's like. Well, who's your number two pick, if not Trump? I would probably have to go with um, DeSantis because I'm in Florida. He makes a good governor. But, you know, I've seen just recently some uh, snippets of him being confronted in a negative manner. And he just he just turns into uh, like a little boy. And I wasn't very thrilled with that. But, yeah, I would have to say him. But I am voting for Trump 2024 all the way. All right. Uh, with- with people well, people usually go for DeSantis if they're tired of the drama, but you are not. Robert, listen real quick on WDBO. Hey, Robert. Hey, how you doing, Brian? Good. I'm a retired uh, Army Ranger. I spent my whole 20 years there, and then I worked overseas in the mercenary-type role. And I'll tell you what, what I'm seeing right now, the hypocrisy of what's going on with the indictment. This is crazy. I've got a bunch of friends and a lot of people out there are so upset. This may form a revolution. I'll tell you, they don't realize the fire they're playing with. People are upset. They really are. And this isn't worthy. Look, uh, like I said, if I'm Trump, I'm trying to play the perfect game, Robert, right? Uh, I would not be doing this. But having said that, this is not worthy of breaking Amer- of breaking tradition and our past and indicting somebody for having these documents. We'll hear more about the case. We'll hear more about some documents that were there. But you have to understand the client, the guy that's going to be in charge. He's a guy that doesn't even read his briefs or even want to start a library. He just want them as trophies. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. But it's called election interference. They're trying to destroy your reputation.
so they can win an election. That's just as bad as doing any of the other things that have been done over the last number of years, and especially during the 2020 election. So I just want to tell you, I'm an innocent man. I did nothing wrong. Okay, case closed. Andy McCarthy, that's your client. Fox News contributor, former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, author of A Ball of Collusion, and he was one of the first to point out what a joke and what a hoax the whole Russia and Mueller investigation was. Andy, I'm surprised we're here right now. Are you? No. Well, I'm I'm not surprised, Brian, um, since I think I wrote in September, not all that long after the – after the search warrant at Mar-a-Lago, that it was a, a virtual certainty that Trump was going to be indicted. Um, and the reason for that is it just seemed that the um, the investigators and the prosecutors at the Justice Department, this was months before, this I, I guess two or three months before Jack Smith was appointed, they were doing all the things that you would do and only do if you were serious about making a case, like giving people immunity and the way they were you know, scorching the earth to get evidence. So I don't think I could be surprised that it it, it hits you like a bolt when it finally happens because it's so historically surreal. But I did kind of think this was coming for the last number of months. But as I look at the timeline and go through it, knowing the document case and knowing that there's no Iran is about to get a secret battle plan from Trump for $2 million if we don't act right now. But instead you have somebody in full view with uh, interns and blazers loading up a chopper on January 20th with these documents. The archives a few months later realizes some of them belong back with them. They ask for them. They get 15 boxes back. They want more. They saw classified documents. These are one thing leads to another. They're negotiating back and forth, at least the Trump camp was. And all of a sudden you end up with a raid and now an indictment. Do you think it's worth, from what you know of the timeline, was this worthy of a raid? Well, I guess the the only way you can answer that is to say what was their alternative. And I think that's a serious question, by the way, that I think the FBI, you know, for all the attacks on the FBI, which are – there's a lot of worthy attacks to be made on the FBI. But in this particular instance, Brian – it seems to me that the Justice Department was pushing for the for the search warrant, and the FBI, which is the subordinate, so you know the Justice yeah. Department calls the tune on this. But the FBI had a middle position where they wanted to do kind of what happened with Biden after his classified information woes got revealed, which was the, the FBI wanted to do a search at Mar-a-Lago, but they wanted to ask President Trump for permission to do it rather than do it by in, in stealth by a search warrant. And they thought that as a middle position, that would be – the quandary the prosecutors had was, you know, look, we gave this guy a grand jury subpoena, um, and he didn't comply with it. He, you know, what they're going to say is that he lied to the grand jury. He told us that, you know, he had given us everything back that he had, and he didn't. Um, so they were saying since the since the – Grand jury subpoena would have allowed him to to do his own search and turn it over to us, and he wouldn't do that. Then we have to go in and take it. And I think what the bureau's position was was, well, let's let's not escalate to that yet. Can't we just go to him and ask him, can we have permission to search? And then if he says no, then you you can at that point say, you know, look, we've done everything we could, we've been as reasonable as we could, but now we have to. 
get the court involved. But they didn't try to do that. Right. Uh, And especially knowing that the FBI, the Mueller report, the problem with the FBI is having with the reputation as the right wing views them and he or I would say Republicans view them. So here's what Jim Trusty said about the whole thing. Cut 13. There's this thing called the Presidential Records Act. It is precisely dealing with presidents and former presidents and basically saying and DOJ agreed with this years ago in a case involving Bill Clinton that the former president gets to decide what he keeps. He should work really closely with archives. They can ask him nicely. If they get mad, they think he's holding on to too many things. They have a remedy called civil suits. There is no criminal penalty for violating the Presidential Records Act. It's a reflection of the fact that historically, before Nixon, they had completely unfettered rights to keep everything. Now we're saying at least please work with archives so we can see some of the stuff you created while you're in the White House. So that was the starting point. So is he wrong? Yeah, I think so. And I, I have a lot of respect for Jimmy. He's a very good lawyer. But I, I, I'd say two things about that. First of all, I've read the case that he's talking about. And the issue in that case was whether while he was president, uh, President Clinton had the right to take something that not, was not an agency report. It was something he himself had created with a historian that he was trying to do an oral history of the Clinton administration. These recordings, which were not classified, could he, while he was president, designate them as personal property rather than presidential records? The difference here is that there's no evidence that um, President Trump designated the stuff that he took with him to Mar-a-Lago as personal property. Even if he was still president? Pardon me? When he got to Mar-a-Lago, he was still president. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that he designated – you have to go through the documents under the Presidential Records Act and designate them as personal property. That's what Clinton did with these recordings while he was still in office. What Trump is now saying is that because he kept them, that means they were personal property. But their agency reports they're not personal property. It's clear that they're not personal property. So, And the other thing is what Jim suggests is that – you know, he's saying all we needed was for the government agencies to work with them. The National Archives started trying to work with Trump on this stuff in, in February of 2021. They pleaded with him to give it back to them. The only reason he sent them the boxes in January of 2022 is because they threatened to go to the oversight committee that was run by Democrats in Congress saying to him, look, if you're not going to give it to us voluntarily, then we have to get Congress involved. And it was at that point that Trump sent them 15 boxes. But they were trying to work with them. Trump just, just didn't want to work with them because he regarded this as his stuff. And you're quite right to talk about, like, the, you know, the Nixon era. The law got changed in the Watergate era. It used to be that, that uh, at least the personal property that was generated during a, a presidential administration was the president's own property. Um, we changed that or Congress changed that with the Presidential Records Act so that everything is implicitly government property. Um, you know, he, I, I know Trump doesn't like that. I'm, you know, I, I'm this way or that way about it. But the fact is, it's the law. So I, I just I'm not that sympathetic to those arguments. Uh, I am but, sympathetic but, but, to the argument that um, he's being singled out for prosecution 
for things that right. other people have been given a pass on, but I don't think his interpretation of what he did with the records. See, to, to me, it's degree, uh, to the degree of everything. It's, oh, should you take the records? No. You know, we give him up. I uh, gave 15 boxes. Okay, I was going to give him rest. Well, you told me to lock him up and put him away. Okay. And then you came by and you said he gave everything. Well, I thought I did. Okay. All this stuff. Does it, does it, does it amount to a hundred years in prison? I mean, if these seven charges are true at 25, 10, 20 years, 20 years, 20 years, is that really why you want to break a precedent in American history and indict a candidate for president who was president? Is that, I mean, was I speeding? Yes. Do I deserve to go to jail for life? Yes. Well, you violated the law, so, and I told you not to speed, and you did anyway. To me, the whole thing is just got on such a scale, it almost is it if you're, you're actually living up to an agenda and I found, I found my in and you did were speeding and I'm going to, I'm going to go indict on this. Now, one thing they're trying to find out is obstruction, right? Having the records is probably not enough, but obstruction is evidently CNN shocker. Uh, and they say that Jack Smith runs a tight ship. Uh, CNN has a transcript of the tape that Trump has that was recorded for Mark Meadows his, uh book that he was writing. So here's this, Here's a little of what's in that transcript. It's the number one story right now on a few websites. Mm -hmm. He goes on to say all sorts of stuff, pages long. Look, wait a minute. Let's see here. I just found, isn't this amazing? This totally wins my case. And I want to note here, he his case he's referring to here is this dispute with Millie, not the current pending criminal investigation. Except it is like highly confidential. Secret. This is secret information. Look, look at this. I will note that secret and confidential are both, of course, levels of classification. And then arguably the most damning quote, he says he asks if he someone in the room, if he can declassify it. And then he says, as president, I could have declassified, but now I can't. And, of course, that last quote undercutting all of the public arguments that he, his allies and his attorneys have made about how he was able to declassify things once he left office or that he may have even had a standing declassification order to declassify any materials in his possession before he left office. But in terms of invest the investigation, prosecutors are likely going to be most interested in the fact that he is claiming to have retained uh, secret information and is appearing to try to share that with a room full of people, none of whom had security clearances. What's your reaction to that? Well, I, I'm going to say the same thing I've been saying all along, Brian, which is I've always thought the declassification thing was a red herring because the Espionage Act doesn't talk about classified information. So as I've said about a million times, even if you believe that Trump declassified documents um, as to which there's no evidence other than his say-so that he did. It would not be a defense either to a charge of obstruction or to a charge under the Espionage Act because the Espionage Act talks about national defense information, not classified information. So the only thing this tape does is basically blow up a, a, a storyline that Trump has been repeating a number of times that was never a defense in the first place. So I don't think it's really either here or there as far as, you know, should this case have been brought and is he guilty? Because the issue was never declassification. That was kind of a that, that was kind of a diversionary tactic that that Trump was using to try to distinguish himself from Biden because he had authority to declassify things whereas Biden didn't when he with respect to the uh 
to the illegal. Okay, so what is your main problem with, with what Trump did? Well, I think, you know, first of all, my my personal problem with it is um, as somebody who feels strongly and worked for a long time in national security, um, I don't understand why he didn't just give the documents back. That doesn't make any sense to me. He's got like, you know, 300 at least. And th- th- that's separate documents. We're talking about hundreds of pages of classified intelligence. They wanted it back. They asked him, like, pretty please, eight zillion times, and he wouldn't give it back to them. I don't understand that for the life of me, and it was irresponsible for him to to have it down there. And it was ridiculous to have him have, him have it down there when they were asking for it back and not to give it back to them. So I don't get that. I think a much bigger problem than Andy McCarthy's view of how he should handle classified information for the former president is the obstruction case, because what Smith is going to say is that when they gave the sworn statement to the FBI for transmission to the grand jury on June 3rd of 2022, that the 38 documents they were returning that day were the only ones with classification markings that were in Trump's possession. Um, What he's going to argue is Trump knew that that wasn't true, and he was causing false information under oath to be provided to the grand jury. And the problem the former president has with that is that unlike everything else in the case where he's clearly been singled out, anyone in America who made a false statement under oath in writing to the grand jury would get prosecuted for that. It's going to be very hard for him to argue that he's being singled out with respect to that. That's uh, – really? So I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm watching these people like I mean, you, if you if you talk about two standards of justice, don't you feel as though you're looking at somebody if you're looking at Hillary Clinton as a precedent when someone asked her to give back uh, or give over all the information and her I.T. guy never does it and never. I don't think he answered a subpoena if I'm correctly, or a request for a testimony, and then she smashes her devices that has the top-secret intelligence on it? Is that any different than 38 uh, as opposed to, let's say, 39 documents? Brian, I, I argued as hard as I could argue that Hillary Clinton should be prosecuted. After she wasn't prosecuted, I argued that the Congress should impeach her anyway. And I was the people threw stuff at me at, when I said that because they said she's out of office. She can't be impeached. Um, apparently that rule didn't apply for very long either. But uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, my view of the Hillary Clinton precedent is that it was an atrocious decision not to prosecute her. I don't think I've never thought that making the first atrocious decision requires you to make the next logical atrocious decision. True. And to my mind, in terms of two tiers of justice, I think Biden should be prosecuted for his classified information violation. I thought Petraeus should have been prosecuted with a felony instead of getting a misdemeanor. Real quick, 30 seconds left. Well, I mean, right yeah. now we find out he's got thousands of pages. They said they're not close to wrapping up his investigation. Is that plausible? You can wrap up Trump, but you can't wrap up Biden? Brian, it's obvious that what they're trying to do is bury all the Biden stuff. It's not just the classified information. It's the, it's all the evidence of his family's self-dealing and influence peddling. What they're doing is burying the Biden cases. They're not taking any action. They're going to say, oops, the statute of limitations ran. Sorry about that. 
Yeah, going to wait for him to celebrate his 90th birthday. And then going to go leave the old guy alone. Uh, Andy yep. McCarthy, thanks so much. Fascinating thanks, time. Brian. I appreciate it. one 408 We're all over the board, all over the country. I'm going to get to some calls when we come back. Don't move. Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, we are back. Let's go out again. Virginia Beach, WNIS. Hank. Hey, Hank. Hey, Brian. How you doing, buddy? Good. What's on your mind? I just think there's a lot of, like, axes to grind. I mean, Merrick Garland was was trying to put him on the Supreme Court. And I know he was blocked, and I just think that he doesn't like Trump big time, and I just think that has a lot a lot to do with it as well because he had the power just to just to get rid of this and squash it, but now they're going after him. It's unbelievable. Like, why would you want this? I mean, to me, this makes this further divides the country. It makes it harder to govern. And if, if Biden thinks that this helps him against Trump or hurts him against Trump, all it does is create controversy. It actually galvanizes people around Trump temporarily, but it also, all the Republicans have to do that are running against Trump is say, yeah, I'm going to win. And I'm going to I'm going to pardon him right away. So for those people that want Trump elected and Joe Biden reportedly thinks he can uh, beat Trump easy. Uh, I, he's trailing by about six points in the latest poll nationally. I know you got to win state by state, but he's hurting so badly and performing so terribly. I doubt that's going to happen. So you to me, Merrick Garland should have said, absolutely. I, you know, I don't like the way he's acting. I need those documents back, but I'm not going to prosecute a former president for the first time in history on documents you know and people don't say well why'd you take like what you say that a lot with donald trump but there's not much behind it a lot of times it's just him saying i can plus i don't know if you noticed he was a little ticked off about how the last election ended from high atop fox news headquarters in new york city always seeking solutions never sowing division it's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, where they tell me not to go outside. And it's just going to be bad, thanks to Canada. Bad air quality for the next few months. I'm sure it won't hinder us at all. We're kind of used to that. Why not? Uh, why not kids, kids, keep the kids off from school? Oh, yeah, they did that already. Uh, why not stop the Yankee game? They tried that. They played a doubleheader anyway. Uh, since Aaron Judge is uh, hurt, it's okay for the Yankees to... Uh, inhale some bad uh, bad air. Sandra Smith at the bottom of the hour, fresh off her show, filling in for Hammer and getting set to do hers. Uh, there's so much going on right now. We're going to try to keep you up to date. So we uh, we do know that the counteroffensive has started in Ukraine. It's been tough sledding for the Ukrainians, and that blowing up of that dam has hurt the Russians. But most of all, it slowed down the Ukrainians who wanted to finish off Kyrgyzstan and get the rest of it back. Uh, we'll keep you up to date on that. Meanwhile, major invest- major moves when it comes to the investigation on Joe Biden. But the biggest story is the indictment of Donald Trump. The affair will officially be done on Tuesday. Uh, it'll be in Miami, Florida, at which time I understand security is already mobilizing to get that uh, courthouse ready. New York, it's kind of easy. Washington, they're used to it. Not like this in Miami. Now, I think Trump should be careful not to say everybody come on down and rally. We don't want January 6th, too. But a lot of people are going to want to go to Florida, go to Miami and show some support because they're really upset by this. 
so much for bringing the country together. Let's find out what Shannon Bream thinks. She's getting a host. Uh, she's getting set to host Fox News Sunday, uh, which is going to be starting on Sunday in the morning. Check your local listings. Shannon, welcome. We're not surprised by the indictment, but are you surprised about the timing? It's quicker than I thought, but that happened as well with the New York City indictment with um, DA Alvin Bragg. We kind of thought there was more time. There was more investigating, more witnesses, more stuff to do. And so, yeah, when this thing um, broke last night, I thought, huh, I thought, listen, we've been watching closely. And, um, you know, it comes on, on the same day that you finally had President Biden take a question, sort of about FBI allegations involving him, about involving Hunter. And so, um, you know, there there are skeptics out there who wonder about that timing. I wonder, too, when you look at the timeline of how this all took place, uh, on the 20th, Trump leaves the White House in full view with all these boxes. On May 6th, the archive says, you know what, we need some of these records back. Uh, and they start negotiating. In December, Trump says, yeah, come cut 12 boxes. When they show up, it's actually 15 boxes. So in January, they finally leave with 15 boxes. Some have classified material, which spurred them to say, do you have any more? He says, well, let's talk about that. I can keep what I have here. So then NARA then turns around the archives, turns around and calls the DOJ and basically says, I can't get all my all the uh, the uh, paperwork I need back from the president who turns around and they said, the FBI, why don't you start investigating? So the FBI goes in April. In April comes out, they said they have, they have 100 classified documents uh, there that have classified markings on them. Can you give the rest back? So they start negotiating on it. By August, there's a raid. Uh, the FBI is, is told to, by the Department of Justice to go raid Mar-a-Lago and just grab everything. What happened? Pictures taken, thrown, some documents thrown on the floor. Makes it seem like Trump left a messy office with classified documents everywhere. It was done for the press. And now there's been a full investigation. Jack Smith gets pulled out of work at The Hague to do a, a special, become a special prosecutor on that in January 6th. And it resulted in seven indictments that could land the president in jail for 200 years. So what stands out about this process? What stands out to you as something that should be examined? Well, listen, Jim Trustee, um, one of the president's former president's top attorneys, says he has evidence of misconduct that has actually happened and that that's why they went to the DOJ and had this meeting a few days days ago. So, listen, he's exclusively with us on Sunday morning, and I'm, I'm really interested to see if he'll tell us more about that. I mean, he's made some allegations about an attorney who was involved with somebody else in the case that um, there may have been sort of, uh, you know, pressure on him. Do you really want this judicial appointment? Then you've got to flip on President Trump. I mean, he's made some really serious allegations that I, I think we need to learn more about. Um, so I, I think there's a lot there. But listen, the DOJ knows the optics are tricky for them um, because the first thing people say is, what about, you know, President Biden and his handling of documents? What about Vice President Pence? What about his handling of documents? The Biden, it, you know, that, that investigation's got its own special counsel, and that is proceeding. There are multiple locations involved. And so I can't wait to get my hands on the actual indictment in this case. It's not unsealed yet in the Trump case. So we know exactly how they've worded this and exactly which statutory provisions they're citing, because they're going to have to be careful um, about those statutory citations, because they could be a match to the Biden case as well. And then they're going to have to ask questions if, or answer questions if they don't you know, come down with an indictment in that case. So I asked Jim Trustee this this morning about when you went to Jack Smith a couple of days ago with a couple other attorneys, mm-hmm. what was the conversation like? Listen. Yeah, I can definitely do the first part. Second part gets a little trickier. But look, and good morning, guys. Thanks morning, for having morning. me on. Um, 
you know, we, we came at this from a perspective as we shadowed this investigation that there was no reason in God's green earth that anyone should trust the information bubbling up from the special counsel's office to the attorney general. And under the special counsel statute, it's still the attorney general that controls the ultimate decisions here. It's not Jack Smith. Mm -hmm. Well, what we've run into through the course of trying to have meetings is an attorney general that's hiding behind Jack Smith, pretending that he's not the ultimate decision maker. And what we wanted to do is say, look, we have uncovered significant misconduct. There's substantive defenses that are fantastic. You know, Mark Levin could rattle them off better than me. But the Presidential Records Act means this entire thing is not in a criminal setting. That's a, a statutory scheme about document retention and relinquishing to archives that has no criminal penalty. So the idea that you can be doing armed raids and even criminal grand jury subpoenas is ludicrous, much less getting to the point where we are now of crossing the Rubicon and criminalizing and charging, indicting a, uh, a president and a presidential contender. So there's a lot that's wrong on the, on the merits of these potential charges or what seems to be the indictment. But the flip side, you know, even before you get to that, is the misconduct. And just a very, very quick, guys, to one part of this that's, I think, just astronomically damaging for the investigation early in the case when they wanted to put pressure on a man to cooperate against Donald Trump, they literally extorted his lawyer. They brought the lawyer to Maine Justice. Six DOJ prosecutors sat there, one of them being central figure to it, and said, if you really want that judgeship of yours to work out, you better flip this guy against the president. I mean, that to me is a shocking difference in DOJ. And I asked him who it is, and he says it's out there. But that is part of the improprieties that he wants to bring forward, mm -hmm. let alone the case. You're a lawyer, mm -hmm. Shannon. What do you think? Well, I mean, it potentially gives them grounds. I mean, they say that they went to the DOJ and tried to have a discussion about these things. Um, again, we got to see the indictment. But once they move forward with that hearing on Tuesday, which I think trustee told you guys, too, that the president does plan to show up. I've heard him say that. Um, he has to, doesn't he? Thing yeah, and this, I mean, this thing moves in earnest for it. I mean, the president's not going to try to duck out the former president. He's going to show up, and, and it's got to proceed. But I think those allegations that trustee has made will be things that come up in these pretrial motions. There are always pretrial motions trying to get evidence thrown in or thrown out, you know, trying to change venue or any number of things um, that delay the process and are part of the process. And if he has these allegations that he can make with something to back them up, I would think that's going to be part of a pretrial motion to say – hey, this is evidence that this thing has not been handled in a legit way, and maybe we'll get more details about what he's alleging. I, I guess the whole point of when, they don't, when you're dealing with basically a librarian with the archives and they don't feel as though they're getting the stuff back that they need, to go to the Department of Justice who, go, who alerts the FBI, who ends up in a raid, to me it just seems like a total overreaction. Do I think that Trump should have just given up the paperwork? Absolutely. Do I think he should have taken one box? No. It's not even building a library, but it does does what we're dealing with now, breaking precedent in our history. What the whole world watching of this democracy is just just flipping all around and it'd be almost like a fish out of water, not making any sense, dividing the country. When I see all these things that took place, I'm saying to myself, do they realize what they're doing? And if I'm president of the United States, do I want to preside over a country that's going to be ripping each other's eyes out for the next year while running a campaign? Listen, it is a mess. We're at a very divisive point. Um, you talk about NARA. You talk about 
you know, you just look to previous cases. Um, they were much more accommodating. It seems like based on what we know on the record with President Obama and President Clinton, when they said, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff. It's going to take us time to go through it. Um, you didn't see them run off to DOJ and immediately say, we can't get the documents back from President yeah. Obama and we need you to go and, you know, rip apart his library or whatever, you know, is coming together. So, I mean, those, again, go back to the op optics that the DOJ is going to have to, to look at. You've got Hillary Clinton out there trolling on Twitter this morning about emails and whatnot, where, remember, her emails disappeared after they were subject to a subpoena, tens of thousands of them, and there's a dispute about that and how that happened and what the content of those were. But, you know, there was no prosecution there. And um, I think for the average American out there who's watching this this play out, they feel like they got a lot of questions about um, who gets treated how. And you, think, you know the January 6th investigation is proceeding mm -hmm. by Jack Smith and also have Georgia. So yeah. we could be doing this at least two more times. Yeah, we could. And it's going to be odd because this is, you know, unprecedented to see how this plays out. Trials take time. Generally, they do. But so are you going to have a trial of, of the leading contender in the primaries? What if he becomes the nominee? Then you've got a trial involving the nominee for president. What if he becomes president? Or if it's, you know, President Biden who's reelected, this thing goes beyond that. So you have this question, you know, it's forcing the field to come out and defend him, the other GOP contenders, to say that this is, you know, not fair, this is not a fair prosecution. You've got Vivek Ramaswamy and I think Perry Johnson, too, saying, I would pardon the president if I become president, uh, and he gets charged or convicted on some front. So that's now, it, it, it's it, it's bad for him legally. It's good for him politically, at least based in on the how short people term. have responded in the past. Yeah, in the short term. McCarthy went to bat from Jim Jordan, of course, Steve Scalise, mm -hmm. Marco Rubio all way in. I'm sure Lindsey Graham will be out there uh, tearing the wallpaper off. I understand it. Uh, certain people like McConnell not because McConnell really they hate each other. There's a lot mm -hmm. of people like Senator Thune want the country to move on. But a lot of people like Nancy Mace, who also was primaried by the Trump people, didn't think she was loyal enough, said this is wrong. And we're, what we're going to see, you know, she went into a private skiff to go examine this 1023 form mm -hmm. and walks out saying, my goodness, there's allegations here of bribery from the gas company that Hunter was in, at which time they call, they call Hunter dumb and promise to give the big guy $5 million and the other guy $5 million. Okay, who else said with references to the big guy? Tony Bobolinsky came out. So there's a lot here that you would think would spur uh, an investigation, but it doesn't. Well, or do we know? Because, you know, what Barr says and some of the other suggestions are that this 1023 that's out there may be part of an investigation that's ongoing, maybe part of this Delaware federal investigation that's involving Hunter Biden. So it's the, it's floating around out there. And people who've seen the document have come out and said, this is what it says. Again, these are the allegations of one person taken down, although identified by the FBI and others as a longstanding, credible source on other issues during the Obama administration, during the Trump administration. So we got to wait and see. But, you know, the, there was very strong language by folks. As you know, Nancy Mace, who isn't like, you know, a huge proponent and supporter of President Trump out there saying, gosh, there's something to this. And that's another optical problem the DOJ has got to deal with. And the president finally, you know, despite I'm sure the, the fact that his staff wanted him out of that room yesterday, they had the overhead announcement. He is supposed to be gone. He's still answering questions. And now he's got to field a couple of questions um, on that issue. And he calls it malarkey. So this, uh, to me, the pause between malarkey and show me the money is mm -hmm. the story. So here's the question that Shanna uh, was just talking about. 
Your book, Good Bunny, Janice Dean, is on my mind. I apologize. <laughs> uh, but, but Shannon was referring to this. The story that we just mentioned about the 1023 form and the whole oversight committee getting a chance to watch in a classified setting uh, read this form. Now, we know this. We know that they, they was referred to by William Barr over to, the, uh, over to Brady over in Delaware to investigate. And it looks like he's not investigating or he's just continuing to investigate. But there's been no conclusion or no update. So Joe Biden's asked about it because the allegation is he got bribery money. Cut 24. Bribery allegation. Congresswoman Nancy Mace says there's damning evidence that the FBI filed that he sold out the country. Do you have a response to the congressional Republicans? Where's the money? I'm joking. Mr. President, Mr. President, a bunch of malarkey. Where's the money? Is that a dare? Mm-hmm. Where's the money? That's not an answer. It's, are you accusing me of bribery? I've never heard of anything so f- fantastical as that. I haven't where you know, but where's the money? I think quickly you realize how that sounds and then says it's malarkey. Well, yeah, and and you don't want to say where's the money because uh, Comer over at House Oversight will be like, great, we'll go look for it. And we have been looking for it, and these are these bank transfers, and these are these questions we have. So if you want to challenge us on that, let's go. I mean, that's that's a conversation he's going to want to have. So who do we expect to have on Fox News Sunday besides you'll have a, a rock band, and you will also yes, have Jim Trustee and you? Anybody else? And we, yeah, oh yeah, but the panel is very um, exciting. We've got the panel with us as well, and we have got um, Miami Mayor Francis Suarez. Is he about to jump into the field? He's got an announcement next week. This is a guy who's butted heads with DeSantis and with Trump. Um, he's got a unique background. His family, uh, his parents escaped from Cuba, uh, and now I wonder what he thinks about you know talk that China is going to build maybe an eavesdropping base uh, on Cuba. We'll talk about that much more. Yes, and I'll tell you what, the biggest story is his city of Miami got messy. They already had Beckham. Exactly. Now they got messy. Yes. And, uh, messy now, with an I, not Y. Yes. Not like the city got messy. Right. They got right. Real messy. Miami not messy, but they have messy. Yep. So we'll talk Thank about you. that too. Shannon, I, I enjoyed exercising your legal mind. Okay, let's exercise again soon. I will see you Saturday night. Okay, at 8 o'clock, right? One Nation. Thank you. Back in a moment. <laughs> Bye. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I've said this before with respect to the classified documents. Every one of us who ever served, I had thousands of classified documents in my possession over uh, the four years in the executive branch and in Congress, uh, we have a responsibility to handle them appropriately. And those of us who don't ought to be held accountable for that, no matter which party they're from. Biden's stuff in his garage next to his Corvette or the documents that appear to have been down at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, when, you, when you make a mistake, you need to own it, Neil. And I hope that everyone who takes this sacred duty of protecting this information will do that. Right. And own it. And then when it comes to retribution and consequences, it's got to be the same. That's all we're saying. And for you, for I, you know, I watch as soon as uh, this hits, I always will try to watch the coverage it's for the radio show, especially because I need to give you a different perspective on the show. Uh, this is talking. We're not tossing the reporters. And, you know, I, I offer commentary on Fox and Friends and other shows. But uh, this is all commentary, information and commentary. So I'm always flipping around. I'm watching panels of literally 10 people and not one person thought it would be uh, would be about would be good for the audience to say, by the way. The current president 
has a document scandal going on, too, at seven different locations. And we have not heard one word about that. And when this does come out, are we just going to ignore it? Is he going to be out of office? Is he going to be passed on? What are we going to do? Why is it taking so long? Why don't we get any leaks? Can you blame people on the right for saying there's a more than a double standard while still saying, President Trump, why are you causing problems for yourself? Why don't you just focus on 2024, getting your business together, truth social flying? Who cares about those documents? Because there is no ulterior motive. There is no ultimate plan. Nobody wants to sell Kim Jong-un's letters or the Iran attack plan. That's not Trump's speed. Brian Kilmeade Show. Shannon Sandra Smith next. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. What I saw today was a very credible, very legitimate uh, source of information that showed bribery with Joe Biden and his son, Hunter Biden. The details and information that we saw was more than five million dollars. And each it was five million dollars each in this in this document. And what we saw was information. I have more questions tonight than I have answers for the FBI. So after going to the private skiff and looking at the 1023 form, she has more questions tonight. And then she sees uh, sees uh, bribery, bribery allegations that need to be followed up on. And then when Jamie Raskin comes out and says they followed up and there was nothing there, William Barr cleared it. The problem is William Barr is alive and he gets the news. I guess he still has a cable subscription. Maybe he streams. And he says, I am William Barr. And I never did that. I referred this over to Brady at the Department of Justice in Delaware. And you should be asking what happened to this investigation because there's a lot of credibility. Sandra Smith is here. She's been all over this. Uh, She's been hosting with Bill Hammer this morning and co-anchoring. She's going to be co-anchoring American Report shortly. Sandra, welcome. Um, I just want to say one thing. I think you've been holding out on me. I meant to say with the earphones, I did a podcast in a studio right down the way the other day, and they handed me these lovely, you have them. Yeah, we should probably get these for the women, right? (laughs) We come in with our hair and we go, crunch it down. Yeah, Eric, what would it cost out of your, do you have a personal discretionary budget? Do you have a spending uh, plan? We could cut into your... See, see, tell me for anybody who's watching, he has has these cute little ones just clip on his ears. I do look cute in them, right? A lot of people (laughs) also think these are very 1970s. Like, isn't there something a little smaller than this? You have gotten criticisms that some of the other producers aren't the biggest fan. Right. But it's effective. And I, but I do think that if between both of us, your hair is really needs to look better than mine. Is really what? Is really what? (laughs) Well, I think that I, I am concerned about helmet head. Uh, that's one thing that I, I was concerned about. Somebody with, um, with let's say, not straight hair. Oh, but I do think that women do care more about their hair than men. Uh, we can debate that another time. Right. Maybe not now. I don't know if that is a I – don't, I don't know if I will agree with that. One thing Big about morning, Sandra though. Smith, what I noticed, like when I come in to visit you on your show, yeah. you have all organized, a lot of paperwork. I know, and I'm and then a when mess. You, and when you come, no, it's not a mess, it's organized. Okay. And then you come in here, you have paperwork, and you work in your iPhone. All research. Well, and I'm researching for you, because I'm getting ready for your listeners. So what what I have in front of me is I'm, I'm fresh off leaving the America's Newsroom set, where I co-anchored with William Hemmer this morning. And then I was leaving to go 
to jo- go join Stuart Varney's program to talk live golf and the PGA in this merger. Hemmer and I have a history of really like duking it out over, with golf conversations. So when I was sitting on set with him about to go to the Varney hit after the show ended, I said, wait, you got to come with me. So then we ran to the studio together and we did the hit together. So I've got the paperwork and the research for that hit. And then I have a completely different folder that is marked. Wait for it. Kilmead. Kilmead. Because this is my prep for you, my friend. Uh, no, I'm honored. That, that's why you're great at what you do. Always ready. Thank you. So Sandra, in particular with this, this got swamped. This story got swamped. If you had a rundown at 5 p.m. or 6 p.m., you blew it up when yeah. the when truth Social showed the president of the United States, former president of the United States, saying, I'm going to be indicted Tuesday. There was a bit of confusion, too. I was watching in primetime last night sort of the story unfolding and what we knew and when the Trump team knew it. And uh, one of Trump's attorneys was going on the air, I believe it was with, with Harris last night. And she said that this this was leaked before the Trump team or before the president himself, even the former president even knew about it. But she went on to say maybe other attorneys were made aware, but the the president came forward with the fact that this was happening. And then of course, you know, the news made big waves. I'm pulling up Jonathan Turley. He joined us just a short time ago. He kicked off our coverage this morning on newsroom with us. Um, He, he showed genuine concern with what is happening right now in the he, country. Yeah, he sounded the alarm on what he called a very serious Trump indictment, and he said this is a different ball game. So, the warning is to take this obviously very serious as it is. Um, the other side of this is those who are, have been watching this unfold, the political nature of it, uh, the political nature of just absolutely everything that is happening right now. It's calling into question our institutions. That's a huge concern. It's calling into question uh, what we've heard from uh, President Biden on the issue. What I was pulling up here, uh, Brian, when you saw me so like so heavily on my phone, this is Ari Fleischer. He tweeted this just a second ago, and I thought it was really relevant to our conversation. He said, aren't White House reporters supposed to write stories when POTUS lies? President Biden yesterday said he never, not once, told the DOJ who to prosecute. Okay, this is the White House's statement. This is where the White House stands after these revelations. Ari went on to text, except he said anyone not cooperating with a Jan 6 committee subpoena should be prosecuted. He said his son did nothing wrong. He lied. And I think that's that's important to bring into the picture right now. Right. Absolutely. So fairness, fairness. That's not all anybody wants. You and I just had this conversation. Anybody who's watching this right now, we do, Pence, Pence. He's he's been relieved of all these you know classified documents stored at his home's charges. Any everybody in this country right now wants belief in our institutions and they want to believe there is fairness. And right, right now, there are many who are calling that into question. So a couple of things. So I, I don't understand. There's been zero leaks for the Bible. Let's just stick with the documents. Uh, Nancy Mace will put her her comments about the 1023 in a moment. But just for now, when you look at the documents, the locations of the Penn Center at the Rehoboth home, his other home. And it was also at the University of Delaware and his lawyer's office and in a, believe it or not, some type of warehouse in Chinatown. Mm-hmm. All those documents. We have not heard any leaks. We don't even have, we know 14 we got at the Penn Center or maybe more. Then they found stuff. We maybe 20 by his Corvette. Le- legitimately, how irresponsible is that? These are senators' papers and then the vice president papers over the course of 30 years. Now, you might say he's cooperating. Really? Did he cooperate or did they stumble onto classified documents that he never turned over? Yeah. I don't know if that's cooperating. Yeah, was- if you come in my house and find some stolen goods and I say, you can check the rest of the house and my other houses. I don't know if I'm cooperating. No. If I was cooperating, I'd say, hey, I feel bad. I, I took some stuff I shouldn't have, like Mike Pence did. 
This guy never said that. Yeah. But he said I gave him full access. How could you get zero leaks out of that? Yeah. How could somebody not even – so I think that should be zero leaks. But this, we got leaks every step of the way. We knew who was testifying. We know about this Mark Meadows tape yep. that came through. So now you have a situation where there's no sign of the Biden administration's investigation of Joe Biden's – the Department of Justice of Joe Biden's of documents case moving forward, even close. So if there's no resolve there. We got another year. You got to think that people are just sick of it. They're sick of the political nature of all these proceedings. So everything's going to look forward to next Tuesday now in Miami. There's going to be obviously a media frenzy down there happening. And meantime, the bomb was dropped by Peter Ducey on our air just a short time ago that now President Biden's going to head out for his first campaign spot uh, stop in Philadelphia Saturday. Okay, so we're full fledged 2024 now. And this is all happening in the thick of it, Brian. And he's winning. Hmm. And if you wanted to take Trump down, you made a mistake. Yeah. Because Ron DeSantis, two tiers of justice. You have uh, even Chris Christie came out and said, I need to see the indictment before I say anything. Well, then that's uh, the point. We Marco haven't Rubio, seen the Steve details Scalise, of the Ken McCarthy, all in support. Right. So all well, these people are kind of rallying around him. Jim Jordan, of course, almost immediately says this is ridiculous how they're going after this mm-hmm. guy. So uh, and also I thought – the first one, Vivek Kramaswamy, says, when I'm president, the first thing I'm going to do is pardon Trump. So this is going to— Will they all follow suit with that? Sure. Why, why wouldn't you? Because their goal is to win the nomination and bring Trump's people with them. How can you bring them with them and not take that pledge? To me, it's the easiest pledge ever. Wait for the indictment, read the indictment, and then make the statement, I will pardon him. Well, that's the interesting part for us, who all of us who were watching the coverage unfold last night and then the reaction this morning, is the judgment Uh-oh. that is being passed without even seeing the indictment. This is bad. This is probably the worst news I could be reading for the president. This morning, we tended our resignations as counsel to President Trump. We will no longer represent him on either the indicted case of January 6th. It has been an honor to have spent the year defending him, and we know we would be vindicated in his battle against the Biden administration. Now that case has been uh, tied to Miami, this is a logical moment for us to step aside. We have no plans to hold media appearances and address our withdrawals or any other confidential communications. He, by far, was the best lawyer he's ever had, Donald Trump. Uh, oh, yeah, Jim Justice. I didn't, uh, not Jim, uh, Jim Trusty and John Rowley. I didn't know John Rowley. So this is unbelievable. He is his best defender. He just took apart George Stephanopoulos. Two weeks ago, he took apart Chuck Todd. He did a great job last night, did a great job this morning. But there was a big story yesterday how the lawyers for Donald Trump were not communicating and it was hurting their client. I usually use one law firm for which you have multiple lawsuits. They weren't. So, therefore, also I heard Boris Epstein is doing a bad job allowing the president to get the information. He's been screening it, frustrating a lot of attorneys who have been just decided to resign. Sandra, this is terrible news for the president. You just got the Trump statement uh, he put out on his Truth Social Uh, The former president announcing that Todd Blanche will no longer be part of the legal team, saying for purposes of fighting Todd Blanche. That's a different one. This is um, he's the new attorney representing him. Okay. he's also part of his legal counsel in his New York criminal case. 
the president putting in this statement on his true social for purposes of fighting the greatest witch hunt of all time. Now moving to the Florida courts, I will be represented by Todd Blanche and affirmed to be named later. I want to thank Jim Trustee and John Raleigh for their work, but they were up against a very dishonest, corrupt, evil and sick group of people, the likes of which has not been seen before. We will be announcing additional lawyers in the coming days. When will Joe Biden be indicted for his many crimes against our nation? And he typed MAGA. If he thinks that you can do better than trustee, you are dreaming. And the fact that the indictment got handed down, if he's being blamed for it, you are totally disillusioned with the legal process. To me, that's unbelievable. Um, just stunning. I'm How- looking for more developments and more reaction to that. But that um, that would be an indication. Um, that- Chaos. Yeah. Chaos behind the scenes when you need stability the most. All right, uh, Sandra Smith is here. We're going to try to unwind more of this during the break. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show uh, as we ride the breaking news on the legal, uh, the legal gymnastics of President Trump behind the scenes and what we're all seeing in front of the camera. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, we are back. We had a few minutes with Sandra Smith trying to follow two storylines where it looks as though uh, Trump is changing horses with his attorneys. Lost his best one, uh, Jim Trusty, in a very polite uh, release. Decided this is my perfect time to step aside. And he's bringing in uh, Todd Blanche, who I know very little bit uh, about. I guess we'll find out more. And he's going to be hiring one firm. But this one firm, Sandra Smith, has got to take on the January 6th case. It's got to take on the Georgia case. And now it's got to fight this indictment. Kind of, It's an interesting time to change, to be nice, interesting time to change leaders. Um, less than 24 hours from when the actual indictment was announced yesterday. Jim Trustee was on at 6 o'clock in the morning with yeah. us. Yeah, so um, we'll see what sort of reaction pours into this. Uh, the former president removing two of his attorneys in this document case. This is the statement from Trusty and Raleigh, uh, who have now departed. They're saying that they have resigned. Okay, so important to get that in there. Not fired. They, they're, they're, the word here, um, they've released this joint statement saying that they've resigned from representing the former president. Um, they were the two lawyers. It should be reminded, our Supreme Court uh, reporter reminding us uh, of us of this right now. They were the lawyers that met Monday at the Justice Department with special counsel Jack Smith and his team about this case. Um, but this is just a tiny portion of what they're saying on their departure. Uh, we tendered our resignations as counsel to President Trump, and we will no longer represent him on either the indicted case or the January 6th investigation. It has been an honor to have spent the last year defending him, and we know we will be vindicated in his battle. We know he will be vindicated, that's important, in his battle against the Biden administration's partisan weaponization of the American justice system. So they're still throwing their support behind the defense of him. Right. Uh, not fired. Uh, great spokesperson. But we also had Paul Palator he resigned two weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, who's doing all the shows, too, saying, I really like President Trump. I like dealing with him. But the report was I couldn't get to him because uh, Bar Epstein, who I texted about this, I go, is this true? I go, Bar Epstein decides who to get to the president. Mm-hmm. And I need to meet with my client mm-hmm. and with other lawyers. And did you see the story about how little prepared other lawyers were for the for the civil case yeah. that resulted in the president getting a two million dollar right. fine. Yeah. They said they basically 
Joe Takapita was on his own, no one to consult with. I'm not too sure a tough-talking attorney dealing with a rape victim yeah. or alleged rape victim was the best approach. Hasn't been in the past. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder how sort of the, the all the the legal watchers will dig into this. But also in that statement, the two exiting lawyers said that now that the case has been filed in Miami, this is a logical moment for us to step aside and let others carry the cases through to completion. Um, and this answers my question about phoning them to come on the program this afternoon, Brian, because they ended their statement saying they've got no plans to hold media appearances that address these withdrawals or any other confidential communications we've had with the president or the legal team. By the way, as this was all happening, I believe one of the presidential um, contenders, Nikki Haley, just finally and, and she did wait a while. She finally put out a statement on the indictment of the former president. Having that happen last night, this just in, she said, this is not how justice should be pursued in our country. The American people are exhausted by the prosecutorial overreach, double standards and vendetta politics. She's used that word before. It's time to move beyond the endless drama and distractions. Well, look, if you wanted to divide the party or give Donald Trump's competitors on the right who all want the job of who want the position of GOP nominee for president of the United States, If you wanted to give them something to go with and say, this president, again, is nothing but trouble. His legal woes are overwhelming. The country, his selfishness has never been forbidden on display. I back up this indictment. He acted irresponsibly. Forget it. Because outside Asa Hutchinson, who says this makes him ineligible, you have words of support for DeSantis and two roads of justice. You have Vikvet Ramaswamy saying this is crazy and I'm going to pardon him as soon as I get there. And then just to paraphrase uh, Ron DeSantis, two tracks of justice has got to stop in this country. Those, that's the one that uh, he's gotten absorbed $20 million of attack ads from the former president of the United States. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to divide the field. Uh, I think it's going to unite the Republican Party and maybe get people who are moderates, but we don't know the indictments, and independents and undecided. It's interesting you say that because guess where the former president has been throughout the morning? He's been golfing, and we've actually seen aerial images. We were watching them live together as Hemmer and I were reporting America, um, uh, America's Newsroom. Um, he's out golfing this morning. That's how he handles it. But basically, that's what he does. <laughs> that's what he does full time. Lindsey Graham always said, you know what the president should do? Go out and give speeches and golf and forget about running again. He said that two years ago. It helps him. Uh, it, well, it, it definitely helps <laughs> It helps him. all of us to take a walk when when uh, things get crazy. So uh, so just on the other track, I don't think we should lose track of the other track and then what James Comer is doing. Yeah. So I think the more that heats up, and I would sure take Sandra Smith on when he came back, when the president was asked about this bribery scandal, he said, where's the money? Mm-hmm. Is that significant to you? I think it's hugely significant. And Nancy Mace was just alluding to subpoenaing more bank records. And I think that's really important in this moment. I've been saying all along, how do the banks not have more information on these records? They only looked at one bank so yeah. far. Yeah. How is that possible? Right. How are the banks not wanting to get to the bottom of why it is that there's one name on a massive wire transfer involving the president, um, subpoena the, subpoena more bank records. They should be forced publicly to turn those well, over. Who's going to be on your show? Um. <laughs> A lot of people. And you're going to be covering this. Sandra, thanks so much. Is John Roberts going to be I've on? been anchoring all morning. I know. Nice He's never show. not on the air. <laughs> uh. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. In these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.